Hey everyone, we're going live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. Doing good today, Seth? Yep. All right. A ton of news to discuss, and um, we're going to start with the obvious one, with the North American charging standard being as close as it gets to cigar, like a nice victory. Like it's maybe not 100%, but the domino effect is in place. And now it's just to see where it all falls, but it looks like it's going to fall in favor of Tesla's uh, NAX standard. So what was the big thing that changed? Well, I mean, credit to, to, to Ford. <laughs> we, we focus on, we're going to focus on GM obviously today, but Ford got things started. But as we reported two weeks ago, when Ford got on board, we felt like Tesla needed just one more big automaker to get on board in order for things to to really get going because you can like ccs can still survive and even thrive with everything other than tesla and ford and to be fair tesla had a good argument before ford even because they had more evs out there than anybody else and over half the market over half the market so so the next was already the dominant standard as soon as it became an open standard and not just tesla's actual plug but now Ford got on board, so that's that's starting to look good. And just less than two weeks later, the big announcement is that uh, GM. So same, same, exact same thing as with Ford. It was with the um, uh, the little. Um, sorry, I'm just gonna start this right. Here. The CEO jumped on Twitter Spaces and yeah. had a very awkward uh, conversation with Elon. <laughs> was it awkward? I didn't, I no, it wasn't was awkward. I mean it. Like it was awkward just knowing the backstory and and how you know Elon's made fun of her and yeah know. I mean the whole like you did it Mary Barra and right, Elon right, like that uh, Elon you know, like fighting back against that which I mean to be fair I think that was <laughs> Elon I, I don't know if it's like it's not really CEO like to fight back about these things but sure. but person to person i think it's it's fair like if i was in elon uh shoes i don't i don't know if i would have let that one slide to be honest that's true although he could have probably been a little bit more diplomatic about it oh well you and, <laughs> that, you to, can say to, that about most of his comments right but to his credit he was like very uh matter of uh, fact ma- and yeah mature on the yeah. uh the call on the and call. it wasn't and he it wasn't uncomfortable that he said anything or did anything, it was just uncomfortable that uh, he, had, you know, the past had been. Kind yeah. Of, uh, but but weird. I thought it was a good call because like it was actually really matter of fact. They didn't like drag it too long. It was like, yo, GM is getting on board with the Nax, and the announcement was essentially the cop. It was copy pasted from the Ford announcement, which uh, is new EVs from GM starting in 2025 will get the Nax um, plug as standard. And then the next year in 2024, Tesla will make um, CCS to NAX adapter available for GM owners, just like they do for they, they will do for Ford in order for the existing ones to take advantage of Tesla supercharger network. So that's that's the goal of of Ford. That they, they, GM basically said the same thing as Ford is like Tesla's uh, design is more efficient, its charging network is more reliable. Uh, so it's it's the better approach. But what gets a little bit more interesting now with the GM announcement is that in the call, both Maribara and Elon both said, basically declared NAX now as the unified charging standard for North America. Like these, they literally said that in, in the call, even though it's it 
arguably a little bit premature, but at the same time, we felt like this this was the thing that's just going to get the domino effect going. And sure enough, uh, last night, like just a few hours after after the GM announcement, Flow, uh, one of the biggest uh, charging station manufacturer in North America, uh, they, they announced that they will now support NAX too. So if a customer... So, net, so Flow doesn't, is not like EVgo doesn't like operate its own network or anything like that. But they send... They manufacture stations for other network and they operate the network for other uh, owners. So you need to buy the stations from them. So now they will offer to those customers, if you want to deploy a charge network, where well, you can deploy it with Nax, which if you are someone who buys stations from Flow, you should take them up on that offer because that's probably the, the better approach. And uh, then ABB also announced the same thing. Um, like just This image is pretty good one like this. Like if you... Yeah. If you don't see why we're really hyped up about this, like this image should tell you. Um, so yeah, that, that's real size, right? That's not. Yeah, yeah, those are real size difference. So ABB, Flow, FreeWire, all announced. EVgo was already on board. Uh, they were including both Nax and uh, well, they actually were doing it before it was Nax. It was still not open, and Tesla's connector it was through a partnership with Tesla. Uh, so, so this is this is really good momentum. And now I would assume so. I would assume that we're going to see more automakers that sells electric vehicles for the North American market announcing soon similar deals. Uh, we're seeing more charging station operator right now because it's a, a bit more urgent for them since like they, they, they want like their business is providing charge for EVs in North America. And now if the three biggest EV automakers in North America are producing their vehicles or announcing that they will produce their vehicle with, with, with Nax, they kind of have to support that. Otherwise they will cut themselves out of uh, the majority of the market. Yeah. And it's, it's not too far off. I mean, 2025 is like coming fast. A year and a half. Yeah. yeah. And they're going to all like, everybody's going to have, or Ford and GM are all going to have adapters. So if you have a Nax plug, then you're going to be able to use it on other vehicles even vehicles that are already on the roads mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that was interesting today have you been following the stocks of the charging station operators uh, i have not what's going on uh, double digit down today if go which if you go is weird one because if you go already it was planning like 600 station with max um uh wall box which has yet to announce jumping on board max which but like, i don't i don't even know why they're going down like that because like I mean, it did. It does devalue their existing station and their existing production a little bit, for sure. But for the most part, it's just it, it's it's a good thing that the market is going to be unified now because it was clear that Tesla was not going to give up its plug. Now, um, it was maybe going with the adapter uh, strategy. Now, it looks like the standard as one, but. I think that's a good thing overall. It's going to make the market a little bit messy for the next year or two uh, until until the, the, all these programs are, are put in place and in production. Um, but after that, it's going to be a lot cleaner, a lot more simple for the buyers, for the industry in general. And, um, and it's going to come in time for the huge volume of electric vehicles. Like we've been saying in electric for years, past 2025, we don't see... A lot of people being willing to buy new cars that are not electric. So this is good timing. As soon as like 
unified standard happened to like a lot more confidence for buyers, I think at the same time, this is just a big win, I think overall. Yeah. And I, I think possibly the reason that the stocks are going down of the, um, the other charging companies is that now they have to compete with Tesla head on, you know, head to oh, head. Oh yeah, that's fair. I mean that, you know, they're messy, like, uh, well, you know, charging. Well, Wallbox less so because Wallbox doesn't have its own network. Like I think I, I, the big, the biggest one that I, if it had a public stock would be Electrify America. If Electrify right. America right now was on the public market, I would understand. But uh, Wallbox, I don't, I don't get it for that though. Yeah, that that makes sense. But I mean, overall, like either EVgo, Electrify America, you know, Shell. I'll, that's another one. Shell should announce something. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna have to compete with Tesla head to head. Like they're gonna, you know, if they're their, the cost, the quality of their network, and you know, frankly, uh, that means they have to do either a lot of catching up, or they're going to have to like fine tune their operations in a big way. So, you know, I kind of understand some skepticism in the market for those companies because it's going to be rough. To- yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, also, probably like retrofitting costs are taking into account yeah. too. That's going to be a big uh, investment for those companies because there's a lot of stations like like Electrify America stations, ChargePoint. Uh, EVgo that are like right next to a Tesla supercharger right now. Right. Uh, so those or, like, yeah. you, you're going to have to update those to Nax. Like otherwise it's just, you're going to go to Nax versus the CCS. Right. But anyway, the only like thing that happened so far that shows to us that there's, it's not like a complete victory yet, but at the same time, it's, we're talking about the government here and the government's right. always a little bit behind everyone is the White House just issue a, a comment that throws some cold water just a little bit raining on Tesla's parade a little bit today, where a White House official, uh, Robin Patterson, said, earlier this year, we developed a minimum standard to ensure publicly funded EV charging is accessible, reliable, and affordable for all drivers. We are required, uh, we required interoperability, is that you? Interoperability. Interoperability, yeah. yeah. To promote competition. Those standards give flexibility for adding both CCS and NACs as long as drivers can count on minimum of CCS. So you see like that, that just sounds like a dumb comment to me because like, well, okay, what about a minimum of NACs instead? Like well, what a CCS station needs to also include NACs. What about that? Because I understand if there was like a concern that you don't want to leave behind CCS EV owners, especially existing one that made an early investment into EV adoption. Like we love those, but they're not really being left behind because their their experience will never be worse than it is right now, uh, especially with adapters. Like we know that Tesla is preparing an adapter for uh, CCS to Nax, so those people are gonna have access to that. So they're gonna have access to the Tesla supercharger network. You got access to other network that are now adapting Nax. So I just I don't see why a station that only has NACs should be penalized, really. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I wonder <clears throat> if there's an easy way to get around it, if they have, like, you know, just have an adapter at the, at the Yeah, the on one something. connector, you know, there's dual connectors now, so. Right. One station um, has a dual connector. But... but, yeah, you're right about the government being slow. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, Charin has a bunch of lobbyists, like, yelling at. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. Yeah, because Charin hasn't responded just yet, but we, we kind of made fun of their response last week and uh, did an article on it. Uh, did pretty good, too. Kind of made fun of that. But yeah, for the most part, 
So the idea behind this comment is that this is the requirement to get access to the federal funding to the $7.5 billion of federal funds that are part of the um, infrastructure bill. And that allocation is for EV charging infrastructure. But the previous requirement was simply that you can charge a car, you can charge more than an electric car from more than one automaker's at a charging station. So Tesla's solution to that with the CCS adapter, uh, Magic Dock, which would comply with, with that, I would assume. But now that other automakers are also adopting Nax, that also takes care of that without having to deploy the Magic Dock. Now looks like they might force Tesla to do like a few stations with Magic Docks per new station. But I don't think that's changed a big deal because uh, anyway, the, the money, the new money is for new charging stations. So it's, there was going to be a solution for a new charging station either way. So this, this, is, it looks, this is how it's going to happen for now. Unless the government just catched up to the reality that uh, Nax is just way better, it would be it would be typical of a government to not back down and say, "Hey, we we yeah. we agree to CCS and everybody's got to have CCS, even though nobody's yeah. going to be using it." Yeah, so I mean, uh, I don't, with with the seven point five billion make the difference. I think I think Tesla would just would literally say, "Screw you!" Like we make that in a quarter now, so. <laughs> Let's just let's just move on. Oh, there would be but, some there would be some complaining on 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 Twitter, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, big round of applause for an axe, which we uh, we're gonna declare it right now. They won. It's a new standard in North America. Congrats. And and keep uh, in mind, this is the hardware, right? So it's still using the CCS protocol to communicate mm-hmm. with most vehicles. Um, there's still got to figure we got to figure out how to do uh, bi-directional charging over Tesla's thing. Otherwise CCS is still mm-hmm. going to be around for Ford and there are, you know, other vehicles that uh, want to go backwards. Uh, the Hyundai Ionic, uh, EGMP cars have those uh, bi-directional things. So not all questions are answered yet, but for sure Nax is the future. Well, you know what I think will happen? Uh, I think Nax and like Trion will merge with Nax. will adopt Nax as the connector, and the CCS will be the protocol behind the connector. Because uh, because Trion, like they they are you know, they are barking right now, but they 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 have no bite. Is all their members are switching over, and Trion is an association that represents their members. And now Tesla is a member too. Ford mm-hmm. is a member. GM is a member. Like I guess the only like problem with Charnin is like it's a global organization and this is really going to be for North America but at the same time they could they could like split up with North America and Europe because uh, interportability between um, uh, North America and Europe is not a major necessity for uh, for electric vehicle because right. we've not... had different plugs for a long I mean they don't yeah. even have the same plugs in England and France so yeah um <laughs> uh you know, we were talking about like, well, why, why, like this makes a lot of sense, but why did it happen now? Like, why didn't this happen like five, 10 years ago? Um, and one of the hypotheses we came up with is that Tesla behind the scenes has been a member of Charin for a long time. They've probably been pushing Charin like, hey, this is better in every way, hardware wise, mm. uh, than your standard. Why don't we do this? And, you know, Charin's got like committees and committees of committees. So, you know, they probably couldn't get it through. So maybe at some point Tesla was like, and you know, maybe this is when they went direct to manufacturers and said, "Hey, look, what do what do we need to do to 
to get you guys to come over to Nax or, you know, come over to a standard and, you know, maybe Ford said, Hey, look, we'd love to be able to charge on your network. You have to give us an open standard. It's got to be something that, you know, every, nobody controls, uh, or, you know, it's, it's controlled by many. So I think, um, I think, there's probably some stuff going on behind the scenes. I'm sure there'll be a movie about it at some point. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean everything you just said made a ton of sense. I'm sure it's a close version of that that just happened. It also worked with like the Magic Duck deployment, like starting and then stopping. So it could make sense that Tesla was like not making enough progress with the automakers on that front, and then started deploying Magic Duck, and then the other automakers were like starting to like. They were progress with Ford, progress with GM, or I would assume that GM just then like they just then did right after uh, Ford, uh, yeah. Ford get on board, like it's a domino effect. Uh, but then Tesla was like, all right, like, that's why they stopped, like they deployed like seven or ten Magic Dock station and then stopped out of nowhere. So even though they deployed like literally hundreds of station stands, so it makes sense that that's that's what happens. Like, what happened? And one more thing. Uh, we got to give props to Aptera because they were the first, <laughs> they were the ones who came out and said, we got to do this uh, Tesla connector. Like uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we're willing to do it. And I feel like at that point, Tesla was like, all right, we're going to do CCS or whatever. And when Aptera came out, I don't know what, what Tesla was thinking behind the scenes, probably not that, but. But the, the poll, the, not the poll, the, um, what do you call it? The, when you gather signatures. Uh... Oh yeah. The uh, go, uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> we are blinking on the very petition, common word. Petition. The petition. Well, the petition was somewhat significant. Like 40,000 people, I think, signed that thing. Right. 40,000 people signing a petition for a charging standard for electric vehicle. That, that, that's a lot. Like, right. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think Altera deserves some credit in, in there. I don't think, I, I don't think that like them saying that they want to adopt Tesla standard has a big impact because first of all, they are not even in production and they're still far from production. And even when they go to production, they won't be a big part of the market. But I think the petition and the, the fact that they highlighted quite strongly the benefits of Nax versus CCS, I think that helped a lot. So yeah, yeah, it was definitely some credit to that Terra. All right. This is something that happened right after last podcast. Actually, we didn't have time to talk about it, but uh, this this game I was a surprise that uh, still hard to fully explain to be honest. But Tesla announced that now all Model Three vehicles have access to the full federal tax credit of seventy five hundred dollars. Previously, it was only half of that, uh, mainly for the base Model Three and the long range Model Three. And the reason for that is that we believe the batteries were coming from China explaining the limitation on the eligibility for full access to the tax credit. Now, the specs of either car did not change, which would point toward the battery still being the same, we would think, like we're the speculation at this point. But now Tesla announced they do have access to the full tax credit. And same goes uh, for... Uh, um, oh, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry. the The other my my other suspicion was like, okay, this might be um, a new Highland refresh Model Three situation where 
uh, Tesla is uh, uh, now with this new Model 3 has a battery that's made in North America, battery cell m- made by uh, partners uh, with the sources, the, the resources where the battery is coming from uh, places that have a free trade agreement with the US. So the eligibility would be to the full tax credit. So that makes sense. And now Tesla would be, as we've been reporting in the last few weeks, Tesla has been liquidating um, its new inventory Model 3. So that would, but if that's the case, then it's only the new orders on the Model 3 that would be full tax credit and the new inventory will not. But that's not the case. They're both full tax credit. So even that doesn't explain it. So no one has a full answer. And I will, if you guys are listening right now, I have some theories. We'd love to, to hear them because it's kind of a mystery at this point. How does that happen? But after Tesla announced it uh, late last Friday, um, earlier this week, the IRS website was updated or confirmed it. So it's not like a mistake on Tesla's part and anything like that. It's, it's official. Just not sure how. Um, we won't complain about it. It's more people buying EVs because ma- it makes the Model 3 right now super cheap. So if you're on the market for a car right now, you have an interesting decision to make with the Model 3 because it's one of the cheapest vehicles to buy. Pretty good vehicle, very good vehicle. But you also have in mind that the new refresh version of it is likely coming very soon, like maybe as soon as next month, uh, next month, I think. But just how big of an upgrade that's going to be, a lot of people believe that it might be also a downgrade to some degree, just making it, um, well, or maybe mostly under the hood uh, things. It's stripping some features like this has been known to do at times. We don't know. But I would also keep in mind that we uh, there, most likely there's going to be like hardware four on it. There's going to be some things that are going to improve also. So it's a decision you have to make. Are you happy with this car at this new lowest price ever, especially with the federal tax credit? Because you can stack up that in California, the 2000 uh, incentive to uh, New York as incentives. Yeah, I had like a dozen states that have incentive that you can stack up on top of it. And the car in some places can come down to $30,000 before gas savings. With gas savings, this is a, like a $25,000 car in most places in the U.S. right now. Yeah, if it wasn't for the Bolt and you know the Leaf, it would probably be one of the cheapest uh, non-compliance yeah. uh, EVs out there. Yeah, and it's a great it's a great car too. It's not like uh, anywhere near a compliance vehicle. Absolutely not. And um, do you think do you think uh, you were talking about like how how Tesla did this? Do you think there's some sort of like final assembly going on in the U.S. of Tesla China batteries? Because it doesn't make sense that because the chemist or the the materials also have to come from uh, North America, which I don't. Well, uh, countries that have free trade agreements, so that's right. a little bit wider than North America. But the battery cells must be made here or uh, North America. I mean, uh, so that might be a solution. But I, I feel like we have heard of, of, about that because it, it's so many cells, so many batteries. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a lot. So it, it, it's a bit of a mystery still. Maybe there's some agreements with the government that they achieve that let them do that just for to because it, it will accelerate EV adoption. Like like Model Threes are selling like fire right now. Like it's it's a fire sell basically on the Model Three. Yeah, and to Tesla's credit, they kept the price down. Like they didn't hop it up yeah. when the uh, when the 
rebate happened. No, on the contrary, right now the new inventory. So there's still a discrepancy between new inventory and uh, new orders. So that I think has to do with the new, new refresh version coming, obviously. So there, there's a chance right now that if you place a new order, you might like get actually uh, a, a new uh, refresh model three if it, you don't get delivery by the end of the month. But if the if you want the cheapest cheapest car possible right now, you have to go through new inventory, and those are, are pretty cheap. Yeah, you have like up to three thousand dollars discount on top of the fit all tax with it. So like that's already like a, a, a thirty thousand dollar car, and then before local incentive, super cheap. All right, we had this little exclusive this week about the Cybertruck. So we had some checks to the supply chains and uh, some communication between Tesla and suppliers gave us a better idea of the volume planned by Tesla and uh, a timeline for production. So this, I would argue, honestly, uh, this being the best timeline there is out there right now is this one that we published on Electric this this uh, uh, week because obviously the official one from Elon Musk uh, has been end of Q3 for some kind of delivery event. And if we base the delivery event on Tesla's most recent launch, like the Model Y, it's going to be just a few uh, deliveries to Tesla employees. So that's what makes sense. So, so it doesn't give us like a great look at the start of production and everything because it's just handing a few cars to customers. It's about obviously the car gets approved by regulators. So that's that's a good thing. But other than that, there's, it's, it doesn't give us an idea of like how production is going. Now, Project Everest, which is what Tesla calls Cybertruck internally and with suppliers. Um, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Also, the, uh, the official um, timeline and, and, and plan production. Elon said about 250,000 units uh, last month during the, uh, the shareholder meeting. And then after that, he said 250, but maybe 250 to 500,000, he said. So we also got an idea on that. Uh, Tesla told suppliers that it is aiming for a volume. It, it wants suppliers to prepare for a volume of th- three, 375,000 Cybertrucks per year. But uh, that is assuming that the supplier's production line are operating at 85% efficiency. So it's going to be a little bit lower than that. But also, I would note that that number that Tesla has been giving suppliers has been going up and down. Uh, throughout the last year, like just earlier this year, it was uh, 280,000 units, I think. So it went up by almost 100,000 units in just a few months. Um, so Tesla wants suppliers to be ready for quite significant volume, like higher than Elon has said publicly. Well, he did say also 250 to 500,000, but at first he was more talking about 250,000. So it looks like he's playing things down a bit. In terms of the uh, timeline to production, I uh, so again, he talk, he's talking about a delivery event around end of September. We learned that Tesla is planning to have release candidates for the Cybertruck at the end of August. Uh, so release candidate is like is built on the production line, and it's the last step that before the actual start of production. And the, those release candidates are then last step to be vehicle tested for a start of production. And that start of production is planned for early October. So actually after Tesla supposedly planned delivery event, but that would make sense if the Tesla just delivers a handful of cars to customers, uh, to employees, I mean, or sometimes not even employees, but like uh, people that are somewhat internal to Tesla, like board members and whatnot. 
I don't know if Tesla still does this thing where you remember Elon said that uh, he has a policy that the first person to give him a check for the for a new car at Tesla gets the first car. You remember when Elon said that? He did say that, but I feel like board members have always gotten the first car. But yeah, that was, yeah. That was because they're the first one to say it. Because Elon right. makes a presentation to the board. He's like, oh, we're planning to do the next truck is going to be called a cyber truck. And then they all reach out for their checkbook and like, just like the first one to give a check. is <laughs> We get the first truck. I remember you said that about the Model S and I think it was um, uh, Steve Jurvetson that got it. Right. Yeah. Who was a board member at the time. He's no longer a board member? Steve, no, you remember with the, oh, yeah, the scandal about yeah. like him uh, loving sex parties, or well, actually, I think this it was. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> From what I'm hearing, is like it's a lot less than that. It was just like he ended up to a party that had a sex party after or something like that. So yeah, um, there was a book. Uh, yeah, uh, Bloomberg. Uh, somebody had a book where allegations were made. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was not like sexual harassment or anything like that, but still, like nowadays, you don't know what gets you canceled. It's a... yep. Uh, all right, moving on. Model Three refresh was spotted this week, like prototypes with camouflage. Nothing huge out of this, but uh, they kind of disappeared for a while, and now they're coming back. Two of them were spotted this week. Is it an indication that the launch is closer? Potentially, so we, I thought it was worth noting for that. And it, the, this 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 uh, sightings comes from the kilowatts on uh, on Twitter, and it did show that uh, they have the new hardware four cameras on it. Which I mean, we already assumed that uh, the refresh Model Three would be the the introduction of hardware four to the Model Three, since it, it is now on all of their Tesla vehicles. I think last week we reported that the first Model Ys were being delivered with the hardware three. Nurburgring record for an EV production vehicle is back in Tesla's hands thanks to the Model S Plaid with the new track package, so the new wheels, tires, and brakes. It's Apparently, you can say it's a production car if the manufacturer offered that package. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you can argue whatever you want. But anyway, Tesla just uh, beat Porsche's record with the Taycan Turbo S that also had its own very limited track package on it. So I don't I think it's it's fair game at this point if they are both using this this track package, even though they're calling it an EV production record. And to Tesla's uh, credit, they beat the record by a significant margin. So they achieved a time on the famous Nurburgring racetrack of uh, seven minutes twenty five seconds. And I think the last um uh, Tesla's record was 7.35, but Porsche's record, I think, was 7.33. Like, they beat it by eight seconds. So, uh, yes, congrats to the team. You can watch the whole video. Yeah, by more than eight seconds, they beat it. So, doesn't maybe that doesn't sound like much, eight seconds, but on a racetrack that is tested at this uh, degree, it's uh, significant. Um, I don't know if it's in our show notes, but uh, Porsche, uh, within days of this uh, getting beat, uh, released... Yeah. Uh, their new uh, uh, EV, like crazy. Supposed to, it's supposed to be like their 959. It's supposed to be, you know, very limited edition, very uh, low numbers, but they want it to be like the all-time champion of Nürburgring. And it's they don't just want to one-up Tesla. They want to be the fastest car, period, period, ever at Nürburgring, gas mm-hmm. or electric. Um, 
so that should be interesting. Um, yeah, but right now it sounds like it's just going to be a one-off. Don't you're not, yeah, it's going to be not confirming production of it, right? But it, you know, that I think they wanted to kind of say, "Hey, we're we're not out of this thing yet." Yeah, but it's not going to be an EV production record. It's just they just want to stay in the news cycles. It's something. <laughs> yeah, they can make a few of them. I mean, I don't know. Um. All right. We have a few more news items to discuss, and then we're going to jump into the comment section. I know there's a lot of discussions already in the comment because of Max, and I understand you guys are excited about it. If you guys have any specific question, if you put question in all caps uh, before your question, that will help us navigate through the comments uh, after the show when we answer your questions. Uh, and if you have any other subject you want us to discuss, we, you can put that in the comment section right now. We'll, we'll get to it too in uh, just uh, 15, 20 minutes from now. If you do enjoy the Electric Podcast, we would appreciate if you give us a like right now, like it takes a second to do, you click the like button, you click the subscribe, the notification button. All those things will keep you updated with uh, everything we post on Electric. If, you, uh, if you're listening to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, if you can give us a five-star rating, only if you enjoy the show, obviously, um, that also is free to do, takes a second, and it helps the show way more than you think. And we appreciate every single one of you that does it. And we read every single, every single of the reviews too. So thank you for that. Uh, let's get right back in. Panasonic announced a fifth, the 15th production battery cell production line to be deployed at Tesla Gigafactory in Nevada. So this is, uh, well, not a big deal. But it's a 10% increase in production capacity. Uh, for the 2170 battery cells that uh, Panasonic produced for Tesla there. Not huge, but I thought it was still interesting because it shows that uh, Panasonic is still growing and, and quite on board with uh, Tesla Gigafactory Nevada, despite sort of um, a weird situation of Tesla sort of taking over the, the factory. It's supposed to be a partnership between Tesla and Panasonic, but where Panasonic produces the cells there and Tesla produces the packs and other things. And drive trains and whatnot. But since the announcement earlier this year that Tesla is actually going to produce its own 4680 cells there and the Tesla Semi, it looks like it's going to be more of a Tesla factory rather than a Panasonic factory. But Panasonic is still growing there too. So good news for that. And Tesla always been quite clear to its battery manufacturing partners that they're going to buy all the battery cell they can get. I think they're staying through to that. All right, uh, Seth, you're just coming back from a nice little trip to, uh, where was that? It was in Milan, Italy. Uh, in Italy, right. To check out the EX30 from Volvo. And uh, this is an interesting vehicle, right? Oh, for sure. So I thought it was kind of a drive event. Uh, I've been a big fan of the EX90. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm going to Milan. We're going to go to the Dolomites. We're going to you know race around uh, in this little micro uh, ev and it turns out uh i didn't look at any of the itinerary stuff uh and it's that it doesn't was, sound like you at all so. I, well you know <laughs> they had me at milan uh so uh anyway i got there and i i kind of had a you know m night Shyamalan moment and i was like wait there's no drive here it's just like the launch event but it turned out to be a really interesting launch event because uh the specs which you know we had a little bit ahead of time on um uh, you know a press release kind of blew us away uh you know the the price of this thing in the u.s is going to be thirty five thousand dollars starting 
but that's with a a, a solid size battery, uh, 69 kilowatt hours, 64 uh, usable, um, which will net it um, with rear wheel drive about 275 miles. So this is kind of a Bolt. It's somewhere between the Bolt and the Bolt Bolt EV and the EUV uh, size. Um, and uh, so the battery also Bolt sized uh, and gets Bolt kind of range. Uh, no surprises there. Um, but uh, something we've always been talking about is like, well, what if GM started doing stuff to the Bolt and actually working on it? Uh, what would happen? Well, what happens is if you add a 150 horsepower motor to the front, not a not a huge motor, not a fast motor. Uh, you get a car uh, in this size that goes zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. So that becomes faster than a lot of uh, Ferraris and Porsches out there. Uh, you know, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them. And, you know, it's funny, uh, I haven't posted this yet, but we had, you know, interview times with some executives and uh, the COO or chief sales officer or something, uh, was like, yeah, we at Volvo don't care about speed. We don't care about acceleration. This was not, this was an accident. Like we didn't mean for this to happen. The fact that it goes as fast, we're not even sure we're okay with it. And uh, you know, you talk to the the engineers, and they have a, you know a little bit more optimistic. Like, oh, isn't this great? Like, uh, that's that's one of them right there. Uh, that's the project engineer. Uh, we had a good conversation. Um, so uh, you know, it also has specs otherwise that are really good um you know it goes uh 10 to 80 percent charge in 26.5 minutes uh tops out at 153 kilowatts for charging so you know, unlike the bolt it charges uh as fast as you could probably expect with a battery size that small uh and possibly most importantly it really looks good like uh i, I think uh you know if you're a volvo fan this is a very modern take on the volvo um the interior is very Spartan. Uh, you know, it's, I would definitely say there's like some Tesla uh, nods. Uh, they have the one single screen in the middle, nothing in front, no heads up display, which I think a lot of people would probably appreciate. Um, I but mean, just you know, a quick note, mm-hmm. Tesla poach Volvo's head of interior and then Volvo poaching back from Tesla after we went back to Volvo in the last few years. So that makes, so, it makes sense if you see some, uh, a, last, a lot of cross pollinization yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think it's definitely its own thing. There's not like, you know, it's not like a, a, a Chinese copy uh, that you would kind of be like, well, you know, they, they stole everything. This is their own take on minimalism. Um, they also spent a lot of time talking about how, you know, the materials they use are all, you know, mostly recycled. Um, and the carbon footprint of this car is the lowest they've ever um, had. And they can't speak for um, other companies, but... Um, you know, it might be the lowest ever. There's a lot of thoughtful stuff we're looking on the um, video now of the center console where it's got a slide out cup holder. It's got a slide out um, phone thing, a lot of chargers, a lot of space, um, just really thoughtfully designed. Um, They moved the speakers out of the doors and they have like a sound bar in the front. So you get the Mm -hmm. same kind of really good sound, but um, with less complexity. And that, I mean, that's the, the, the overriding theme here is like they, they really spent a lot of time on making this a simple vehicle. Um, but, you know, in terms of like kind of bad news is this thing is a Chinese car. This is not, there's no part of this car that's made anywhere but China. Um, and so that, you know, for people in the U.S., that means it's going to be hard uh, to get uh, the, the the federal tax credit back. You can get it through a lease, but 
you know, that's sometimes complicated and the, the lease takers will sometimes absorb some of that cost. Uh, we're also looking at, um, they had a, uh, what's called a cross country version, uh, which kind of looks like a Subaru a little bit. Uh, the tires are uh, a little bit bigger and, and rougher, uh, and it's got plastic in the front and back and a really cool roof rack with an extra tire. Um, I don't think it's going to be uh, super off-road. Uh, this is a $35,000 car, but, um, you know, it looks cool. Uh, it'll probably do well on dirt and, uh, you know, it'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, back to the China thing, uh, conversations with the, uh, chief sales officer, uh, he mentioned something about how they make a lot of vehicles in South Carolina. Uh, you know, they haven't decided if they're going to try to bring this thing over to South Carolina. Um, my recommendation would be think about it a little bit, but, um, they said for every vehicle they export, they can import one and not have to pay uh, the 27% import tariff. Um, so they're thinking that they can probably not have to pay the import on some of those. So it's an interesting situation. If they build one in the U.S. that they export? Yeah. If they, so they, he was saying something about, and I have to obviously do some more research on this, but um, if you they export one from... South Carolina, that gives them license to bring one in from China. Uh, I don't. Does think... it allow like export from Carolina to like Canada, or does it? Do yeah, that? yeah, and okay. I think they do plenty of that in Mexico and the Caribbean mm-hmm. and probably Europe as well. So uh, that might be a, a vector for that for getting that price down to thirty five thousand dollars because uh, we did the math uh, uh, while we were there, and at twenty seven percent tax is about ten thousand dollars. So they have to be able to produce one of these for $25,000, make a profit on it, and then pay another $10,000 of the $35,000 you, you know, purchase it with to the government. Instead of getting a lot about the Chinese uh, manufacturing market. Well, that's what I was saying. I was like, that's impressive. If China can build a car for this car for 25,000 bucks, uh, you know, with this kind of speed and this kind of, you know, quality of materials and looks like, uh Oh, we're, you know, mm. The American manufacturers are in for a rude awakening. Yeah, uh, and you know this is Geely, uh, Geely's uh, factory. That I think some Zeker. It's based on a Zeker uh, car that already exists. So all of the R and D's already been done um, on the on the drivetrain. Um, so all that stuff is you know tested. It's been you know people are driving the drivetrain around already. So. Uh, it's just interesting that they can sell a car for that much. And then obviously the all wheel drive version with the extra motor in the front gives it that extra speed. It's what the Bolt EV should have been too. Like we've been asking the Bolt EV and the UV to have a dual motor portion so option for, for How a long easy time. Would that be? So, so it is nice that it's coming right when the Bolt EV is, is, is going away because I think it's going to fit that market pretty well. How about being more expensive now that the Bull TV got a big price cut this year, or was it last? When, when did they get the huge price cut? The twenty five. It was last year. Last year, but at the same time, this is another thing now that uh, great transitioning to this that you posted this morning about uh, Mary Barra in a new interview hinting at a new Chevy Bolt EV built on the old Sion platform, right? Yeah, so that's I think kind of a huge news. Uh, she was. She was definitely being coy. If you listen to the audio of the uh, podcast, um, she was like, I think, I think the key quote is, um, 
you know, bold is something that has built up a lot of loyalty and equity. So I can't say more because I don't discuss future broader programs, but you know, it was primarily moved from a second generation to third generation, but that's an important vehicle in our portfolio. And then what, the, what, was there ever a second generation bolt? Well, so they called the bolts battery pack, the second generation, the first generation was like the yeah. spark EV and all, you know, those compliance yeah. cars. So the bolt is actually the second generation. And then uh, third yeah. generation is the, uh, Ultium. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I thought she, you, I thought she meant like specifically with the bolt. Like I thought she meant like when, when they had like that 10% battery upgrade or something. That was the lowest effort upgrade I've ever seen in my life <laughs> yeah. because basically LG, they had an LG battery guy at the event. And I was like, so, you know, did GM give you a spec? And they were like, no, we, ha we upgraded our batteries and GM was like, okay, we have to upgrade our cars now. Like it was just like a model upgrade. And, you know, there was GM a design change too at one point to the, but even that, if you call that a new generation, it's, it's, it's quite a stretch. Yeah. Like a very mild design change. Right. But, uh, you know, I mentioned in that article, like, Hey, what if you just put another motor in that bolt and sold it for more, or, you know, you'd spend some time and upgraded the charging speed. Mm. Would have been nice. Yes, sir. All right, Ford announced this week that uh, with the increase in production in the F-150 Lightning XLT version, they are, there's no need for uh, a reservation process anymore. You can place an order today, and uh, you should get your car in, uh, by September, which is fairly quick, fairly quick for a pickup truck. Like pickup trucks are hard to get, uh, a little bit less so with inflation lately, but in the last year or two, a, a six-month waiting period was uh, not uncommon at all. So this is a, a quick like three months, um, three, four months turnaround and could be quicker too. And uh, it, it's good. It means what needed to happen is happening. So Ford is increasing production capacity And uh, it sounds like they have worked through their, their, the most of their backlog. So they had a decent backlog of, of reservation for this. And now they've worked through that. I would assume that the price increases um, resulted in them working a little bit faster through that backlog just because uh, I, would, I heard a lot of people just canceled after that. But a lot of people like just stopped buying new vehicles, period, with the inflation. But um, That affected all vehicle, including the um, Lightning. But the XLT now starts, I think, $65,000 before tax credit. Yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah, $65,000 for the XLT, but that's you, you can have a tax credit up to $80,000 for electric pickup truck. So uh, you, you come down into the $50,000 range before any option. So... In terms of a pickup truck, it's not not necessarily a bad deal. Yeah, uh, you know, I I've, I know people who've got both uh, a Rivian and a Ford, and uh, a lot of people say the the Ford is better for like road trips and stuff. It's uh, mm -hmm. a little smoother, and so I think it's competitive. Um, it's also interesting that uh, we mentioned Rivian. Rivian's having a. Uh, I think we're going to talk about that next, maybe. I don't know yeah. if this is about, about the fire, but. Uh, The uh, Rivian's having an event where uh, you can go to normal and uh, just buy one like old style. Uh, Ford is now we're we're talking June to September uh, to get it to get a vehicle if mm -hmm. you order now. Um, I think as these cars start to get 
lower and lower in um, delivery times, the actual number of people who want to buy these things is going to go up because I think a lot of people want to test drive and actually want to buy one old school style, like where they, they go to a lot and they drive it around and they, you know, that they, they like it. So I think that's, I think there's a whole lot more demand drivers to open up for these electric pickup trucks. Yeah. The, and also just, like, we know if there were a group of uh, drivers that were more reticent into getting into EVs, the truck drivers were for definitely sure. on top of that list and there's nothing better than for adoption than getting your hands on the product. Uh, so yeah, it's Tesla also helped a lot. Like Tesla's, Momentum came with higher production because more deliveries, more new cars in the neighborhood. Neighbors sees the car, start talking about it. Like this is, sounds sounds obvious, but it it works. It works like that. So we, I think we're going to see a lot of that with the with the pickup trucks. Like when the new dad on the street got the F one fifty Lightning, and like, oh, let me let me go talk to Johnny about about the Lightning. Like that's the biggest marketing you can ever get yep. now on the bad marketing side uh, this happened this week <laughs> with the Rivian uh, R1T that caught on fire at uh, an electrified America station so we heard about that before about not necessarily catching on fire but we heard the Rivian R1T having some problem at electrified America station in the past where uh, they would overeat the charging the charging port would overeat and would cause problem with the car and the car would brick at the at the charging station. So we've heard a few instances of that, but now a, a fire occurred and we reached out to both Electrify America, which didn't even respond to me as far as I can remember. I don't think they ever did. They're, they're probably just freaking out about the NACs too much to even yeah, think. They're busy with that. Yeah. Uh, but Rivian did respond, but not with nothing uh, significant other than they are investigating the situation. As you can see for the image, I'm not any kind of like fire forensic person, but you don't need to be to see that uh, the fire clearly started at the charge port or the charge connector. And uh, the good news is that it doesn't look like the battery pack was affected. So even though it was a significant fire by the look of it, and we, we saw some videos too of, of it when it was actually on fire. If you refresh the post, I, I updated oh, you did, it. You did put it in there? Yeah. Thank you. You got it. No, you have to read. Oh, no, you just put it in there. Sorry. Okay. Good call. Yeah, as you can see here, it's a open flame. I mean, it's kind of crazy if you look at it. It's like, it looks like a top fuel dragster. Like, yeah. I don't know what that is. Oh, maybe that was like the 12 volt battery. I think it was the 12 volt battery. Yeah, maybe. Speculation was. Yeah, because Rivian Rivian did, uh, when they did reply to us, they did say uh, something about it not hitting the the big battery. High voltage battery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's obvious from the aftermath because if it was the I would that the car wouldn't look like that at all. Right. But um, so it looks like there's a good firewall between, like a literal firewall between uh, battery and the rest of the car. Uh, but still, obviously a concern. Uh, like this, right. this like we 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 keep saying, uh, statistically speaking, an electric vehicle are not more more likely to catch on fire than gasoline power vehicle. You know, gasoline the very flammable. Uh, liquid that you put inside your tank in your car and it can burst in flame. Uh, but it's still worth like looking into fires like that when they don't happen after a crash or things that's the things that you know should cause a fire sometime. This being parked charging, eh, not a good look. But yeah. I'm sure Rivian is on be top zero of fires. it. Yeah, obviously. All right, that's it for all the news this week. We can jump into the comments section and show you guys as questions and uh, 
lot of comments and, um, today, mostly on Nax. Yeah, uh, Doug Grunberg's so. charger company is ta- talking, taking about uh, public or consumer Nax charging, FreeWire, EVgo, Flow. I think we covered a- all ABB those. also. Yeah, ABB. Uh, and I, Blink, I'm, I think Scooter just said that he got a comments from Blink. Okay. Yeah, they said their new their new DC uh, DCFC charger is gonna have uh, both the option of CCS and NAX, which uh, that's obvious. Like every every new char- any charging station manufacturer is gonna announce that in the coming days. All right, question: uh, Some older Tesla vehicles need minor retrofit to use the CCS adapter. Does this mean when non-Tesla branded NAX fast chargers roll out, they won't work on these older Teslas without said retrofit? That's a great question. Nax uses a CCS protocol, even if the plug is different. I think. Yeah, but know, but right? not. But you're talking about the other way around. I, I, I think obviously the CCS to Nax connector adapter is going to be way more popular than the Nax to CCS now that Nax has basically won. Right, like, but I think he's asking, can I take my old Model Three to like a, uh, you know, like a flow station with a. Yeah. But I don't think they will be able to charge using the flow station with the uh, Nax adapter. Yeah, not. But the the Nax to CCS adapter. Right. Yeah. Well, that already exists. That already available for sale on Tesla's website. But yet, uh, there's a need for a retrofit on the uh, charge connect uh, the, the 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 charge computer on board. Um, but but again, so that I think that's a much smaller use case than right. the other way around. Yeah, I mean, especially now, like for myself, I was always thinking about it. Like, should I get this adapter or not? Uh, But I was always, I don't, I don't know how much use I'm going to get out of it. And now that sounds like everything is going max. I'm like, all right, like I'm not going to buy this adapter if my Tesla is going to be able to charge at future like EVgo stations, Blink station, Flow stations, all that. So, all right, Neil from the Gold Coast. uh, Question: Is there any news to confirm or deny whether there is likely to be a Model Y refresh anytime soon? Obviously, we see the Model Three refresh coming. Mm. What do you think? Uh, I I doubt it soon, um, just because of uh, volume. Like that's the lifeblood of Tesla right now, the Model Y in terms of volume. So. Uh, any kind of refresh would affect production line significantly and that would be bad for Tesla. So I wouldn't hold my breath for that. Like let's just it's gonna be certainly not this year. I would be shocked if my Y gets any significant upgrade this year. Might might get some changes like Tesla always implement some changes, but not like a whole refresh. All right, uh Glenn Stanford, great quick look at the Volvo EX thirty. We need more of these cars. I agree. Agreed. Uh, the nail is in the coffin for CCS. Change all CCS connectors to Tesla ones and provide the CCS to NAX adapter for the rest of the CCS ones. Uh, and I think that's the idea. Yeah, I uh, know. So it's going to be a bit messy for the next year. So, I, so I don't know if they're going to do that or, or, or if they're just going to uh, provide the adapter instead. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, like if we, they probably every uh, charging network operator is probably going to have to do the math and see like what makes most sense whether providing an adapter or retrofitting existing station. Uh, but it's worth the mess in the next year or two for the reward after two years of having a nice unified North American charging scene for the EV community. And keep in mind, there's going to be adapters 
Like yep. uh, yeah. everybody who wants to charge on Nax chargers is mm-hmm. going to be able to to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of this question here. Mark Webb says regarding Nax, do you think it'll cause an Osborne effect? I which is, you know, if a new thing is coming, then nobody buys the old thing. Mm-hmm. No, I would be reluctant to buy a CCS one car knowing it's obsolete in one year. Yeah, your, your adapter point like kind of fix that. Now, obviously, less optimal experience than no adapter, but also not a huge burden. So maybe right. yes, it devalues CCS car for the bit. next year but like not by much and like and you know what you, you know what makes that as clear as ever is like ford and gm's announcement coming now another year from now right makes it pretty clear that they are not too worried about that also they're just not too worried because ev is so little volume for them at this point rather than uh, what it's going to be in the next two years so it, i don't think they're too worried about it but also i wouldn't like it, it doesn't it wouldn't prevent me from buying like this this EX30 right now. If I wasn't a market for a car that size, I would definitely go electric. I would probably go with this one and the CCS plug would not stop me. Just $100, $200 that there and it's fixed. Yeah, I mean, you know, I hate we we always talk about this, but uh fast charging is obviously very yeah, important. Too. But most people charge at home. It's not going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh and, you know, Tesla's come with adapters. You can get an adapter really cheaply for level two. Uh, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is kind of a follow-up. Uh, Neil from Gold Coast again. Question. I'm trying to decide on a three refresh or Model Y. Wow. He's So he's already buying a three refresh, even though it hasn't been announced. But I'm concerned there might be a Model Y refresh coming next. What are your thoughts on Y refresh coming based on what we know? So we kind of yeah. address that. Um, so here, here's the thing to think about the Model 3 refresh. Like we've seen the exterior, so a uh, little bit new headlights, new taillights, uh, fascia a little bit updated. Those are all things already like, slightly different on the Model Y. So I don't I don't see that being a big deal. I think the bigger updates to the Model 3 with the refresh is uh, under the hood, and it's uh, structural. It's the bigger casting and all that. Those things are already in the new model Ys. So yeah, that's true. So I, I don't. I wouldn't expect something significant. Um, if anything, like okay, maybe the new steering wheel with all the stock and with the four stars buttons are going to come for the model Y, like they're coming for the model three refresh. Is that a plus? So so there's a lot of things right now that I so I don't feel bad about recommending people buying a. Uh, cheaper model 3 right now pre-refreshed because of that because i know it's not the biggest updates ever uh yeah all right uh see evermont says all those dual plug chatamo ccs charge point stations just replace the chatamo with nax yeah the 12 leaf owners that actually try to road trip can deal <laughs> that sounds great unless you're a leaf owner obviously but uh <laughs> the problem is, is that those are only 50 kilowatts so yeah too it's not Great. Yeah. Uh, Slides here. Uh, what What is going to be the big fight between charging network is going to be the price because currently Tesla is expensive. I didn't know that Tesla was any more or less than EA and. Yeah, I mean the all the problem is, but he's right though that, that there's going to be competition there, and um, I think a lot of it's going to come down to because there's just subscription services and then there's 
car companies getting involved with the charging station to have like preferential pricing for their EV owners at some kind of incentive. So there's a lot of that happening. Uh, I can see, again, going to be messy in the next year or two. And then I, I see things just being a little bit more uniform, but more make sense. But then you, you can go to a, a gas station and then the next gas stations charge like 10 more cents a liter. And like that's, that's also a thing that happens. Like, so you have to shop around sometimes. So this is one thing um, I haven't really thought of much about, but it could be a, a, a concern. Uh, question, if NAX is an open standard, does Tesla wield any power, financial or political, over NAX adapters, car, car charger companies? Um, if it's I an think open anyone, standard, yeah, it's an open standard. I think anyone could produce them if they wanted to. Uh, I think they already do. There's already third-party uh, NAX charging adapters being produced. So I don't think that's a problem. I, I think that uh, I think Tesla's made deal with Ford and GM specifically right now to produce adapters for their EV owners. Also, like that was part of the agreement to convince them to switch to Nax. Is like we're gonna produce you like uh, for, we're gonna reserve some for your, your EV owners. Like so, I, I, but that, again, that's gonna be a thing that's gonna happen in the next two years, and then it's done. Like then it's gonna be a unified North American standard. Most, if not all, cars produced for North America are going to come with the Nax uh, plug. All, all significant vehicle, anyway. And think it, about it, how much better it is. Yeah. Like it's going to be a lot less materials. Like you think of even it's just a little bit of material, but like a lot less plastic, a lot you know, adapter, heavier, mm-hmm. chunkier, all that stuff. So think. And now, now all the ego stuff is gone too. Like now that Ford and GM got on board, even though Nax is like Tesla has made some work to like dissociate itself from Nax, but it's still a pretty much a Tesla connector. Uh, but now that the, the big ones, Ford and GM is on board, like Rivian has no excuse. Hyundai has no excuse. Like all, all these guys are going to come out with, with it. Like it just makes sense. Yeah. I think it's only a matter of time. And for what it's worth, we've reached out to Rivian and and uh, some others and ask them for comments on that. So if we hear anything, we'll mm-hmm. post here. Um, moving on. Uh, so Gold Coast guy again. Uh, do you think there will be any tech upgrades for a Y refresh if it was coming soonish? Or do you think it would just be cosmetic? We kind of talked about that a little bit. Yeah, I don't think any kind of significant, like from that point on, I think any EV wise, like EV technology wise, I think everything is going to be mostly increment, incremental improvements. Um, and and with Tesla, it's something like if I don't know if it's Gold Coast first time like buying a Tesla, but it's something you have to deal with. Like they they change their cars all the time. Uh, it's not a model year approach. Timing is hard to to guess, so you kind of have to deal with it. Like it's like, do I want this? Do I like this car? Right now, the way it is for that price, if you do go for it, if you don't know, because there's going to be price cuts after the fact that you're going to be, oh, I wish they didn't do that and all that. Then you have to deal with it. Basically. All right. Mark Webb says uh, vehicle to X is already in the NAC specification. Um, yeah, I think there's some uh, language about that in there. Yeah. Um, and we also know that Tesla in Europe was also uh, building their cars to do uh, bi-directional for a while. So. It's all in there. Uh, did that dog strike video about Tesla come out because Waymo just had the same thing happen? Uh, I didn't see that from yeah. Waymo. No, I didn't either. That's, geez, that's sad. Yeah. Waymo is uh, slower, though. <laughs> Operating normally. At, uh, doesn't Waymo has like a speed limit on it? Yeah, I don't uh, think they go as fast as that one was going. Yeah. 
30 miles an hour or something like that. That sucks. Uh, question prediction on Charin, uh, mega charge standard, Tesla on board or independent? I think Tesla's on board, aren't they? Um, I don't think that's been 100% clear, to be honest. Okay. I know that Charin was considering that because Tesla had proposed its own mega charging standard and Charin was considering it and then they went their own way. No. So. Big battles. With what, with what happened with Nax, like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get it past Tesla to do it again. Yeah. All right. This is this is something to think about. Carl Aldinger, big problem is that being missed here is that in the celebration of Nax is that Ford and GM are undermining the establishment of a healthy competitive system for charging by choosing Tesla, not just Nax. See, you're excited that Tesla won, but will you support nationalizing the Tesla charging system if it's a monopoly someday? And it's a major problem how Tesla runs it. I think I think Carl is uh, not differentiating the connector, the standard for the connector and, and the charging protocol, and the operation of a charging network. Right. So you think Tesla, with when no one else was doing it, decided to deploy its own charging network, and now it should be nationalized? Like this, it's not a good look. It's not how it works. Uh, what is what is being not nationalized is not a good word. It's being open source is the charging connector and protocol and system that's involved in that. But the, the charging network is, is not like there's no monopoly involved at all. It's just, that's going to be the technology used to uh, connect the cars. But the, 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 what you don't want to have a monopoly on is the charging network. So that's where we need competition, but that's what, so Tesla actually did, a favor to those those other companies. Now they should, they use the better charging connectors, Nanax, on their own chargers, and those charging network now will have access to a much bigger market, meaning Tesla vehicles, on top of now all the other vehicles that are access, that are adopting Nax, which soon is going to be virtually every EVs produced for the North American market. So no, this is this is not the right way to look at this. All right, Greg Poland says, question, do you think Tesla will pull the Magic Dot deployment if they haven't already? Well, that, we, we just discussed that. Like it, it looked like that's what happened. Now with the new comment with the White House, it sounds like Tesla might have to keep it around a little bit, like maybe include like one Magic Dot per new char- charging station just to comply with this requirement to get the federal funding. But it, right. should, it would just be for sure at this point because... Again, long-term, it looks like Nax is going to be the solution. All right. Somebody else is up with my uh, Twitter conspiracy theory. Uh, the Model 3 uh, as a 25K car for the win. Uh, so mine, w- mine wasn't really super serious. but um, yeah. It is. Uh, right now, uh, new inventory Model Y, uh, Model 3, new inventory Model 3 right now. In, in plenty of markets in the U.S., it's a $25,000 car. Right, and if they can make it cheaper, get rid of those those stocks and the you know those super like, expensive stocks. Yeah, and the make the frame one piece and all the other stuff. That's mm-hmm. a twenty five thousand dollar car. Watch out, Chevy yeah. Bolt. All right, uh, Rich Tier. I don't think it'd be very long before the White House succumbs to reality, and well, you don't know politics. Uh, and drops <laughs> the requirement for CCS to get uh, EV charger funding. On the other hand, governments are the kings of sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. Uh, the scenario envision can't happen because Nax is a standard. The specs are out there, and anybody can implement it. No monopoly required. Yeah. 
with next domino does this mean the 400 volt battery architecture has now won out in north america I, I no think... it supports a uh, thousand volt uh, yeah. next supports up to the thousand volt so it's all depends on the charging station like where the bottleneck is going to be but the standard is not going to be the limitation up to a thousand volt or even a little bit more uh, 1100 volts maybe I'm not so sure. yeah it starts to arc i think yeah, around 1100. All right, Peter Ferret, only 40% of the battery packs need to be made in America across all Model 3s. Oh, so they, is that how it works? But I think that the battery pack and the cells too, the cells are separate to the battery pack. It's like another part of the requirements. I might be mistaken, but. Hmm. All right, question. Isn't Tesla's short charge cord and some charge ports locations on the wrong side still a problem? Yep. Yeah, but. You know, that's the other good thing, too, that now they're working with Ford and GM. I would assume that in their future vehicle program that do include NACs, they're going to standardize where the charge port is going to be. And that's going to that's that's badly needed, too, in the industry. But uh, that said, no excuse like Tesla could make their charge their charge card a little bit longer. But that's apparently what is the case with the V4 supercharger, which. We haven't seen in the North America just yet, unfortunately. Right. Um, I kind of like where Rivian has their charge port, like on the front, uh, by the front light. But also Tesla is obviously in a good spot as well. Yeah. Corners are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tesla says, you can't use our protocol, you use CCS protocol. So no NAX isn't a standard. It's a plug design. The problem rests with GM and Ford favoring Tesla's proprietary network. I don't know if Carl's got the the facts right. I think no. GM, and, GM and Ford will, are open to all networks. I mean, one of the reasons that Ford and GM are getting on board is to get for their EV owners to get access to a supercharger network because that is definitely a plus. But the reason they're incorporating NAX in their future EVs is because the connector is a better design. All right, I'm just going through some questions here. Question, do the recent announcements by Ford and GM mean that the Magic DACA, we talked about this. Oh, we already did that. They're dead before it arrived. All right. We're getting a lot of conversations here. All right, back to Volvo builds the safest cars and builds a compact car that is blisteringly fast. I just watched the BMW iX wreck his car on video because he decided to cut around a car at light speed. Carl's well, really... dumb people will do dumb things all the time, right. too. So you cannot make some things completely dumb proof. Uh, but in general, I, I think uh, acceleration can be safety to a degree. Like if you're, you, you need to get out of a situation really quickly, like it's it's super useful. I know in highway, like sometimes, like uh, you you um, you want to be able to pass someone for safety reason. Uh, like uh, you see sometimes I see a driver like falling asleep next to me like oh you just get ahead or get back and uh, and honk your horn things like that all right mr turkey next says no knee room in the, the ex30 back seat teeny tiny all over um no not really there's there's plenty of room in the back uh it's similar to a chevy bolt uh which you know it's not super luxurious roomy back there but it's easy for an adult to sit back there even with like an adult sitting in the mm-hmm. front and if you have kids, obviously, uh, even better. So that's not a problem. Let's see. Uh, question, do you guys think the $35,000 Volvo will get that zero to 60? And curious if Tesla can export cars and then get credit to import a made-in-China car for similar. Um, 
I mean, they they don't need any credit really for. I mean, they're they're building enough cars in the U.S. that they don't really need to import cars. Um, and I don't think the thirty five thousand dollar Volvo will get the zero to sixty. Okay. Uh, that that's the all wheel drive. I imagine that's going to be a, a little bit more. Um, if you want to find out, you can kind of look around at, um, they're selling it in Europe, um, now, so you can see what the prices are. Um, I think there's like a 42,000 euro version that has all wheel drive. So, uh, that's, that's adding like $7,000, still a pretty good car for 40, $42,000. Uh, section 4.5 of the NAC spec says it supports the ISO 1518 protocol. 118 protocol for charging, which is the same standard used by CCS, yes, which I think right. is the uh, plug and charge as well. Do you think one of the new Tesla models might be a midsize pickup? Don't think so, no. No. Two new models are the, the cheaper car and the robo taxi. So none of that sounds like a midsize pickup. But they might both be Model 3s. All right. Uh, question. Are you going to do an article on the bad FSD video you referenced? Would you do a video of your FSD driving with commentary? I would do the ladder. I'm working on that ladder. Actually, I'm waiting for a new device that I'm trying to put so I can record with my iPhone instead, but safely plugged into the, not plugged into, but uh, attached to the glass roof. Uh, I had I had two of those before, but they both fell like every time they fall. Um, as for the bad video that I referenced last episode, I did go back and I did reach out to the owner, and the owner is uh, a bit reluctant to to to, to share it. And uh, it, there was no, he, he said there was no damage on the car. Which, like watching the video, I'm like a little bit confused because he did hit the ramp, the the side pretty bad. Uh, so he, he's kind of uh, very pro Tesla, and I really wanting to get into the details. Like he's not, he said, he, he says he doesn't want to make Tesla looks bad, which is not really what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to, like on, on the contrary, I'm, I'm saying that you're likely not responsible for this accident, but you know what it is sometimes. Won't, won't get into too many details. Okay. Either, but I think uh, speculation that the charge port of the Rivian is what burned first. So if, if the charge port is what uh, burned, Electrify America might have some, explaining to do yeah. uh do you think that refreshes will help demand for model three did sx refreshes increase demand well the sx refreshes were just so badly indulged that uh you, you don't it's hard to understand what happened with them because tesla like stopped selling them for so long that it took a while to bring them back to production because tesla was focusing too much but um, not necessarily too much but they were focusing on model y at the time so there was a big backlog, and then it sort of faded away, and now they're having some issues selling them. So, uh, as for the Model Three, well, it depends. Uh, depends on the price, really. Twenty five thousand. Yeah, if they do, if it does affect the price, maybe. Uh, Saudi keeps on cutting production, but only price is not going up. Do you think EVs are starting to make a dent in oil demand? Yeah, yeah they, yeah, they are. Like it's starting to be significant volume. It's not huge just yet, but uh, yeah, it's starting to make an impact. Uh, if FSD only gets really good with hardware four, is it possible Tesla would have to offer the upgrade to older models that were promised FSD, or did the fine print protect Tesla? 
Well, there's no fine print that's going to protect Tesla. Like the, there was just too, ma- too much material, too much content that showed what Tesla promised buyers versus what they deliver. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Uh, so if what you're saying turns out to happen, so they cannot deliver it on the promises with all worth three, they need all worth four. I just don't think that retrofit might not necessarily be the solution there. Uh, because the retrofit is significant. All the cameras in the cars are being updated, a new radar now, at least not, not on Model Y. Apparently, the Model Y is not getting a new radar just yet, uh, Model S and XR. So th- I think uh, the uh, the yeah, retrofit would be too big of a thing. So I think it's more going to be like, like this Tesla investor, like this should be your biggest concern. Like what happens if Tesla cannot deliver on its promise with Autoroid 3? Um it's going to be one of the like biggest lawsuit, biggest class action lawsuit ever. But the, can't they just keep pushing it out and saying we're still working on it? We're still working on it. We're still working on it. And then, you know, yeah. Kind of- so here's here's what I'm thinking. They could technically do that up to the point that what if it start working with hardware four? Right. Then yeah. Then then it starts looking bad. So like, wait, wait, what? This guy that bought his car last year now has what you promised me six, seven years ago. Right. Like this is not a good look. Like this is when like there's already a class action going on for, regarding that. Uh, these things take years to to evolve, but I would assume that once that happened, then um, then everybody that has already three and paid for FSD is going to jump on that. With, right, with last, reason, with good reason. The last couple of questions we have is about. So, I guess the the guy who is uh, worried about Tesla becoming. Uh, or having to nationalize the charging network. I guess the idea is that like, you know, Tesla's at such a uh, big lead and they have so much low, lower cost of building networks and they have obviously a bigger uh, market of people to, to use their networks that it's, you know, they, they run electrify America and EVgo and shell and everybody else out of business and they end up being the only network and then they control the prices and then, that could become problematic and then i mean technically yes but like what carl said here he put in capital uh, letters if so it's a big if mm-hmm. uh, but you're right it, tesla does have a giant lead with the supercharger network but like i think what mark is saying too is like this is due to incompetence from the other side of the exactly. uh, of the thing and but and i wouldn't necessarily say incompetence either i would say more like out of necessity like tesla build a supercharger the way it did out of necessity like it didn't exist before that and they had to do it and they had to do it in a way that serves their user base while all the other charging network well electrify america you can make the argument not because the way it started is also like it's very unique uh with, with the dieselgate scandal but the other network, it, their business is to sell charging to EV owners, while the supercharger network was built around providing a service to Tesla's owners. So the, the two different approach gave Tesla a giant advantage in building a very good network. And uh, and then they just start putting a price on it. Instead. And now, yes, it could turn into giant business for Tesla. Like I could see Tesla selling like billions and billions of dollars worth of charging a year in the in the very near future. Like uh, they they already have like what like twelve thousand charge superchargers in the US. Yeah. It's gonna be probably like twenty thousand 
and they're going to be able I mean, to make them cheap now because they're going to get subsidized by. You're going to get subsidized, and they are building more of them, and, and the 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 avid, um, the, they the have virtual whole... network as well, so they can get cheap electricity. Like a lot yes, of they can happen. put they can put mega chargers there. They can solar. put their solar there. They can um, combine them with contribute load benefits. Come down on peak chargers. They have years and they have a decade of data on it to optimize it. So you're right. They are in the best situation to own that space. But um, the concern of the other gentleman earlier was that the standard is due that the standard helps in terms of like the connector is more efficient, is, is, is better. But I don't think that making that the standard is, is the killer um, feature for a supercharger network. That that's not it. So yeah, it's, it's 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 the standard shouldn't prevent like that from happening. It's just Tesla supercharger network is better than everything else right now. Period. And if it keeps growing, uh, and the others don't catch up, that's what's going to happen. But I think I think the the others will ha- will have to 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 catch up now. And the the all they receive billions in investment too, and they will receive billions in funding too from the federal government. Uh, to deploy stations, so they just have to use it a little bit more efficiently, like Tesla, to um, to be able to compete. But I, I don't see a world where Tesla is the only charging network, DC fast charging network in in North America. I think it will be the biggest. It will stay the biggest, maybe even the majority of the market, but never a monopoly. Does that yep. make sense? As long as there's some competition, it should keep everybody honest. And then the, yeah. the flip side of that is um, <clears throat> by allowing uh, competitors to have access to a better charging net connector, as Mark Webb says, uh, Tesla is actually giving their competitors an advantage yeah. that they didn't have before. So like GM cars will now be able to charge just about anywhere. I know when you were driving around in the U.S. South, Fred, uh, mm. if you, had, you were driving in a Mustang and there's very few chargers, uh, but there were plenty of if if you were driving a Tesla, you wouldn't have had any issues. Yeah, I did a, a road trip between North Carolina and Mississippi in a Mustang Mackey. If I had a CCS to NAX adapter at that time or a NAX connector on my um, Mustang Mackey, the experience of that road trip would have been significantly better than having to rely on Nature for America. And I mean, when I went to Birmingham, I had to drive like thirty minutes outside of town to get a CCS charge. Like, that's not great. Well, they were like two, three superchargers around um, uh, the, uh, around Birmingham. There's like one in a Bucky. That was the first time I went to a Bucky. It was actually outside of Birmingham on the home with my Tesla. Bucky's, yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. All right. Uh, that's pretty much it for the comments. Yes. Appreciate everyone that's still listening right now. An hour, 22 minutes into the show. You're a real one. We appreciate you. If you do get a, can get a second to get a thumbs up and subscribe, we appreciate it even more. And, um, Let's uh, celebrate this weekend the next victory, everyone. Have a few beer, a few champagne.